we started in six a few weeks ago opening these seven seals and then if you remember last week we took that that break in seven how it's a natural break in there and John talked about the 144,000 Jewish believers and then the great multitude there and so then tonight in chapter 8 we we look at this that the seventh seal is going to be open and they're going to be opened with uh with trumpets so it says when he opened the seventh seal there was silence in heaven for about half an hour now what what if i said the last four weeks or five six weeks it depends on how you read revelation the literalists obviously say this was a literal 30 minutes some people say well just you know again i'm a face value guy on this one but the, the question is what what was it and there there's four or five possibilities there some people say it was a sabbatical rest uh for the millennium there before these judgments start taking place um some people say there you see just a brief pause of judgment it's not actual silence uh, but if you remember the choir was singing in chapter seven and the multitudes were singing so after they got through we have this pause there uh, some people believe it was a pause for uh, the revelations that were given to john it might not have been an actual 30 minutes but it was a pause there could have been an actual 30 minutes but either way it was for john to, for more to be revealed to him some people believe it was a, a pause for the prayers of the saints that we looked at and then uh, some people believe it was to symbolize there the the awe and dread of what is about to happen so we're about to see these uh trumpets that um and we uh we don't get to all of them tonight um we'll get to the first four tonight and then we're going to see these judgments coming out um now but before we get to that we, we don't know for sure um what what the silence was about but I, I tend to go with i think i've seen the notes there i tend to go with that fourth possibility and the reason is because it talks about the prayers in there it talks about the prayers of the saints right after that if you look at the text and it was talking about that before it so um I, I don't know for sure on that, obviously, but that's what I would tend to lean to on that one. So verse 2 says, And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and the seven trumpets were given to them. Now, it's not that important, to be honest, but i give you a little information there on the difference in the trumpet in Hebrew, in the, in the Hebrew Bible, and the Septuagint, and how it was translated different in, uh, in the Greek. And, and so there, there's a little bit of difference there. We, we don't know for sure, again, um, some people would go as, as far as to say it's the shofar. Uh, we don't know for sure, but I would just say trumpet. Uh, now, if, if you go to Numbers 10, it tells you what all trumpets were used for in Old Testament times. Uh, they were used to call people together, so, you know, kind of like you would see the bugle call in an army. They were used to announce war. And they were used for special times. And, uh, well, one of those special times, well, the combination of war was in Jericho, as we, we saw that. And then the trumpet was sounded when the law was given and where kings were anointed. And so there are, um, the trumpet was a, a special horn, so it was used here. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God. Seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. 
catfish. I didn't warn you, but it's on there. We're probably going to read all of Leviticus 16 and that Exodus passage. So if you've you've got time, we'll we'll go to that here in just a moment. Um, so another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much more incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people. So there's that prayer passage time back on the golden altar in front of the throne. The smoke of the incense, together with the prayers of God's people, there it is again, went up before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it on the earth. There came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. And you've heard those lyrics there saying in Revelation song. So let's let's look at this angel. What's going on here? Uh, what what's what's this one and the obvious questions there is we put on there uh, who is this angel and which altar is is this and what is he doing in order to understand this remember we very rarely have we not went back to the old testament when looking at this remember this is all a revealing of jesus christ as a picture of uh john is this is being revealed to him and this is what the judgments are going to look like and we've, we've talked about all of that again ad nauseum um, and depending on what you think when it's going to happen but we know this is going to be the beginning of the judgments here so let's look at um, let's look at Leviticus 16 together and it will actually uh, help us make sense so and I love it because that way when when Lori and the kids are reading Leviticus and Numbers, and they're telling me this doesn't make any sense, and I'm saying, no, you gotta, gotta read Leviticus. Leviticus will help you understand the New Testament. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron who died when they approached the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell your brother Aaron that he is not to come whenever he chooses into the most holy place behind the curtain in front of the atonement cover of the ark or else he will die for I will appear in the cloud over the atonement cover. This is how Aaron is to enter the most holy place. He must bring first a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He is to put on the sacred linen tunic with linen, undergarment, linen undergarments next to his body. He is to tie the linen sash around him and put on the linen turban. These are the sacred garments, so he must bathe himself with water before he puts them on. From the Israelite community, he is to take two male goats for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. Aaron is to offer the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and his household. Then he is, is to take two goats and present them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of the meeting. He is to cast lots for the two goats and to sacrifice it for a sin offering. But the goat chosen by Lot is scapegoat and shall be presented alive before the Lord to use for making atonement by sending it to the wilderness for a scapegoat. Now, this is where it will start tying in. Aaron shall bring the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and his household, and is to slaughter the bull for the sin offering. He is to take a censer, just like we read in Revelation, full of burning coals from the altar before the Lord and two handfuls of finely ground fragrant incense and take them behind the curtain. He is to put the incense on the fire before the Lord and the smoke of the incense will conceal the atonement cover above the tablets of the covenant law so that he will not die. He is to take some of the bull's blood with his finger, sprinkle it on the front of the atonement cover, that he shall sprinkle, sprinkle some of it with his finger seven times before the atonement cover. 
off of that. Now you can read the whole chapter on your own, and it'll it'll kind of tie in with this. Fish will go to that Exodus passage, but before I do, I want you to to see. Well, let me just read this. This this here is the altar of incense. Make an altar of Acadia wood for burning incense. It is to be square, cubit long, cubit wide, and two cubits high. It's horns of one piece with it. Overlay the top of the sides with the horns with pure gold. Make a gold molding on it. Make two golds for the altar below the molding, two on each of the opposite poles to hold the poles to carry it. Make the poles of Acadia wood and overlay them with gold. Put the altar in front of the curtain that shields the Ark of the Covenant Law before the atonement cover. This is that are tablets of the covenant law which I will where I will meet you. Aaron must burn fragrant incense on the altar every morning when he tends the lamps. He must burn incense again when he lights the lamps at twilight, so incense will burn regularly before the Lord for generations to come. Do not offer on this altar any other incense or burnt offering or grain offering, and do not pour a drink offering on it. Once a year, Aaron shall make atonement on its horns. The annual atonement must be made with the blood of the atoning sin offering for generations to come. It is most holy to the Lord. Now, I know that's you're not going to, based on my reading there, go, oh, this all makes perfect sense now. But you have the passages if you want to go. And I did read them for a reason, so at least you would kind of understand what's going on. So let's look at it real quickly again. In 8.3 says, An angel who had the golden censer, he came and stood at the altar. Well, that's what Aaron was commanded to do there in the Old Testament. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of God's people. Now that's a little bit different in that the incense in the Old Testament was different. Here the incense is the prayers of God's people, the saints. And people, you know, they bicker a little bit over who that would be. It's it's just all anybody, in my opinion, and most commentators' opinion, that are uh, believers. It's not a certain hierarchy of believers. And so these are the, the prayers of God's people. And then the smoke of the incense, together with the prayers of God's people, went up before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer. So we, so far we've got kind of the same thing as Aaron. Remember, Aaron would go into the most holy place once a year and put the blood on the ram's horn, but he would do this other. He would bring this censer in, and what did God say there in Exodus? Don't, don't put a grain offering, any kind of offering on it. It's only for this incense to the Lord, and it goes up to the Lord. And um, it is to have a pleasing aroma. So, But then, in Revelation, it takes a little bit different. The angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and he hurled it on the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumbles of flashes, rumbles, rumblings, I'm sorry, flashes of lightnings, and an earthquake. Now, this, is, as I put there, the altar is, is no longer here in the Holy of Holies, but it is the throne of God. But the throne of God is transcendent, holy, and approachable, as we see for all of us. Uh, and, it's, and it's really an amazing thought how our Heavenly Father is approachable and, and holy. But as we get into these judgments here, uh, and, and then I, well, before I don't want to skip over it, James 5.16 talks about the effectiveness of the prayer of the righteous person. And here we have the prayers of the saints that are the incense that are, that are praying here. And so we understand that we, we, all, we do pray. We have the privilege of prayer, and we keep praying. Now, when we look at these seals, they are a mixture of the, uh, they're not 
perfectly aligned, but they are mixtures of the, the, the plagues in Egypt. And they don't go one and one and all that, but they, they do uh, kind of align with that. Now, it, the literalists will say that the, the first trumpet there is, is either going to be volcanic activity with some hail mixed in or meteor shower or something. So when you look at this, excuse me, it is hurled on the earth, and there came peals of thunder. That's not that abnormal. Rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. So we, we could probably see all of that physically happening. Now, here's what I want you to get, and this is where I'm at. Just because we can't see it physically happening or, or it being explained by people maybe smarter than us and science people doesn't mean it couldn't happen. But most of this stuff can be uh, scientifically explained. It just, you know, hasn't happened all at the time like it has. But so that's what a literalist would say here. Then the seven angels in verse 6 who had the seven trumpets prepared to sound them. The first angel sounded his trumpet, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood. Now, this time it's a little bit different. So, you know, this is again where the literists are going to say, well, the blood is really lava, and it was hurled down on earth. A third of the earth was burned up. A third of the trees were burned up, and all of the green grass was burned up. Now, this is where this is where you start getting into stuff that's a little tougher and and for those of you that are really into science i'm not gonna lie i'm not i mean it's kind of fascinating but i'm obviously much more of a history person but you understand how all this works together how the oxygen and the green grass and the sun and the moon and all that stuff works together so a third of the earth is burned up here now um as as we as we know, or as, or as not that I know, as, as people say that the, the sun is burning hotter and it, you know, it may eventually burn up. I don't know for sure if it will or not, but it's, it, it wouldn't be necessarily unfeasible for some of this stuff to happen again without a supernatural act. Um, and then it says the, the second angel sounded his trumpet, something like a huge mountain, all ablaze, was thrown into the sea. Remember what Jesus said, if you have faith just the size of a mustard seed, you can tell this mountain to move into the sea. A third of the sea turned into blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. A third angel sounded his trumpet, and a great star, blazing like a torch, fell from the sky on a third of the rivers and on the springs of the water. The name of the star is Wormwood. You C.S. Lewis fans should get that. That's Wormwood is the one in the, um, drawing a blank on the screw tape letters, yes. A third of the waters turned bitter, and many people died from the waters that had become bitter. Um, by the way, I, I don't know if it's that scripture that I put there. Uh, for you and I can't remember if it is or not but there, there is a passage in the Old Testament that says the salt water will turn to fresh on the judgment so um, I had never read that before this week and so it's you know the rivers are going to turn uh, 
they've turned bitter and then you know they'll eventually turn back and many people die from the waters that have become bitter the fourth angel sounded his trumpet and a third of the sun was struck a third of the moon and a third of the stars so that a third of them turned dark a third of the day was without light and also a third of the night as I watched well before we go into that because we got a little something there so as I put there on that last line it, it, it would be very devastating if all this stuff happened from a from an earthly point of view but nothing necessarily beyond physical possibilities but G, as Jesus put in Matthew 24 22 without shortening of time nobody would be able to endure this in fact let me I don't anymore paraphrase that. I want to get that exactly right for you don't worry about it fish I'll, I'll get to it very quickly because Jesus is talking about the end of the times here and when and he, he's you know he's talking to his disciples and he warns them you know that and, and this is this is the seven years of, of judgment here and again depending on how you believe and you know when it's going to happen and so Jesus said if the time had not been short then nobody's going to be able to stand it so in Matthew 24 let me, my glasses are not kicking in 22 uh, well, let me just back up to 20. Pray that your flight will not play, take place in winter on the Sabbath, for there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here's Messiah, there he is, do not believe it. All right, so it goes on to talk about that. And so Jesus was very clear that if, if the days have not been short, nobody's going to survive it. So is it possible for a third of the stars and a third of the sun and a third of the moon to all uh, go, go dim? And that means they lost a third of the night and a third of the day. And then, yes, again, way above my head on this science stuff. Some of you can probably figure it out. But based on Christian commentators, scholars that I read, it's not necessarily beyond... Uh, the realm of possibility so verse uh, 13 says this as I watched I heard an eagle that was flying in midair call out in a loud voice whoa 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 to the inhabitants of the earth because of the trumpet blast about to be sounded by the other three angels now you know anytime there's three we better pay attention so fish what what are you in the NIV as I watch? Will you throw up the KJV, not in KJV, the KJV on that, if you have it. And, and, and I'll show you this. It's for you Bible scholars that like to read and just break stuff down. You can go back and do your own research on this. Uh, so in this translation, in most of them, it says the word eagle as I watched an eagle. But the KJV, and I don't know if there's any more that do this, they translated this word angel. As you see it, and behold, I heard an angel. Well, where in the world do they get that? Obviously, the, the Greek is a lot different than than English, so we'd see eagle and angel, and it'd be totally different. But it is somewhat close, but it the, the Greek doesn't look like angelos. It looks more like eagle, and that could be a copyist error or a scribe error. We don't know, I mean, for sure what happened there, but we obviously have some discrepancy uh, the people that I trust the most on this that I've been reading say it's more than likely an eagle 
and if I hadn't have brought this up, most of you wouldn't even probably thought about it, so now you're going to go dig into it, but that's, that's perfectly fine. That's why we do this. Um, so as we look at that, as I watched, I heard an eagle that was flying in midair. Some people say, well, it, and, and I'm not making this up, a couple commentators say it could be an angel that looks like an eagle. That sounds like a compromise. Um, based on, if you if you read the passage, you would think, well, it's probably an angel because that's all it's talking about. But it it really, if if you read it, unless based on the oldest, uh, and I can't syntax, I can't remember which one it is now. The codex, the oldest ones, it's it's eagle, and again. Most of the time, we didn't have the angels flying in midair. Doesn't really matter. I get that. As I watched, I heard an eagle that was flying in midair call out loud. Here's what's important. Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because the trumpet blast about to be sounded by the other three angels. So we've had four at this point. There's seven trumpets, and they're bringing forth judgments. And it's getting worse. If you go back and look at it, at first, it's just like, okay, I think we could survive that. And really, you know, it's nothing out of the ordinary. Thunder and lightning and earthquake, I mean, that happens all the time. But then the next time, it's like, okay, now that's coming down, it's got blood on it. And all of a sudden, a mountain. But if you read it, it says something like a huge mountain. So we don't know. But a mountain is swallowed up into the sea. So it becomes more improbable. Not impossible, but the, the judgments are becoming more improbable. Now, again, you say, are we going to live through this? Depends on how you read Revelation. It, honestly, this is, this is where the pre-trib people say the church will be raptured out. Now, I'm not pre-trib, but I certainly don't mind being wrong. I don't, I don't mind not living through this, all right? But I, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, th this is going to be, you know, the who knows at the end of the day. I mean, we don't know. We do know this, that Jesus said, if not for the elect, he said, that's why it was shortened. He said, nobody will be able to withstand it, but it's going to be shortened because of the elect. So we know there are some elect that are living through this and so again you're gonna to have to do your own digging on that well let's let's as we wrap it up we've got three or four minutes as, as we wrap this up because again y'all know and we don't we don't have to play out loud answers but what is revelation is the revealing of jesus christ that is the apocalypse that is what this is it is the unveiling the bringing the lid off Jesus. It, we want everything in here to point to Jesus. Now, some people said that they thought this that Jesus was the ones opening these seals here, but it, it says angels. So these these are the angels, and they stood before God, and they take these trumpets, and they're announcing these judgments that are going to be on the earth. Well, what? You know how do we how do we tie this together? Again, you got to read it all. Got to go back to Genesis. You got to see the fall of man, 
You've got to see that we're all sinners. You've got to see that we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, Christ alone. He is worthy of our praise. We will forever praise him just like they were doing in chapter 7 and singing praise to him. And then here we see in 8, we're seeing the wrath of God at sin. And we know this, that whether we live through it or not, that as the elect, as believers in Jesus Christ, as followers in Jesus Christ, that it, it will be, even if we live through it, will be shortened for our sake. So for all of eternity, we don't have to live in judgment. And somebody was asking a question the other day, and I heard him talking to the pastors, and you know, what's the difference in heaven and hell? Well, we know it's the opposite. Hell's the opposite of heaven. Heaven is light. Hell's darkness. Heaven is rejoicing and worship, and hell is torment and pain. And will there be physical fire? We, you know, I don't know. It may be. But we know it is a place of torment. And these, these are the judgments that are, that are coming upon the world because of the world rejecting Jesus Christ. Now, again, some people say we're living in these times now that we're living in the judgment now. And we haven't gotten to these final judgments yet because we haven't seen them yet. But we're living in the thousand years. Some people believe that, that we're living in it now. Uh, some people don't. But, um, you know, again, that, that depends upon your view there. But what we're going to see is this. Starting next week, the judgments are going to get worse. And we're, we're going to see it get to the point where, you know, it even says the locusts look like horses. That's, that's pretty big there. So we're going to see the judgments are going to continue to get up, and that's why we see, again, we've got to go back to what Jesus said. If, if it hadn't been cut short, nobody would be able to withstand it. Now, what, what are we rejoicing? We rejoice in the fact that Jesus did what he did for us and, and died on the cross for our sins so that we don't, even if, we, even if anybody goes through this, that we don't have to go through it long. And then it'll be over quickly, you know, for the sake of the elect. And then for all of eternity, we get to spend eternity with Jesus. So we, we rejoice in that fact. And, and look, Revelation's tough right now. But we'll get to the end, and it's going to be like, oh, yes, this is, this is what it's at. So this is all pointing to Jesus, all right? I'm going to pray for us, and then I'll stick around and entertain any questions you may have. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word i know it's tough at times it's confusing especially this it and here's what we want to grasp father that we don't have to have it all figured out we don't have to have everything figured out what we just have to know uh, are, are several things and that is that that you are a loving father you are a holy god you desire a relationship with us and that you love us so much that you sent your one and only son jesus to die for us and we thank you for that and even though we, we may not know exactly how the end times are going to play out, uh, and we don't have to get bogged down in it because we know the end result, and that is that, that Jesus wins, that, that you're in control, that the devil doesn't win. He's going to be bound up. And that if we put our faith and trust in you, we are followers, true believers of Jesus Christ. That in the end, we're, we're going to be saved and we're going to spend an eternity with you. And we rejoice in that fact. And we thank you for that, Father. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you all for letting me be here.